And now, a special announcement from the local carnival. Ladies and gentlemen, step right up, step right up. Freaks, clowns, exotic animals, and dancing dolls. We have it all. Don't wait. <laughs> Don't hesitate. You won't want to miss it. This is The Dark Carnival. <laughs> Welcome to Soul Story, a Through the Breach actual play podcast set in the world of Malifaux. Today I'm joined by Spencer playing Stuart, Bam Bam playing James Matthews. I'm Logan. I'm playing uh, Donovan. And I'm Alex. I'll be playing Darling. And I'm your Fate Master today, Moose, and I'll be playing everybody else. So welcome to our Halloween special. It is a spooktacular delight, full of dolls and clowns and monkeys. Welcome. Let's go ahead and start off by introducing our characters to our lovely captive audience. Stuart Koval is a uh, is a freelance journalist who works with the Tribune. Um, he is uh, he was born Earthside but has been living in Malifaux proper for about five years or so. He is a, uh, he is a 6'4", lumbering man of Polish descent, despite <clears throat> his um, having to travel constantly. He always tries to dress as sharp as possible while still staying somewhat utilitarian. Uh, he wears a vest with no jacket. Um, he uh, polishes his shoes despite the fact that they're getting pretty well worn. He uh, he does his best to keep his hair uh, neat and combed, but hides it beneath a uh, well-worn flat cap. Instead of a traditional tie, uh, Stuart Koval wears a uh, faded black ascot. There you go. Have fun with that knowledge. Fan art. Are we like the emo Scooby Doo gang? Yeah, basically. Fan art. Holy fuck. Uh, okay, let's hear about James Matthews. Oh shit! All right. So James Matthews is thirty years old. He stands at exactly five four and a half. Not more. Not less. And he will 100% correct you on it. He is not kind of five feet. He is not five five. He's five four and a half. I really don't think that's uh, how a real short person would uh, respond to somebody asking. Look, <laughs> look, look, five four and a half. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is how it is. This is the way it has been. This is the way it shall be. <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh yeah so he's five four and a half he tries his best to like wear nice clothing now not like super fancy but you know he likes having like the button up with like the rolled up sleeves um and he does wear a tie because he tries to kind of you know look professional for his place of employment he works at the town bank bank of the town the bank town town bank Yes. It's the bank town. Um, <laughs> which I get to interject here for our listeners and let them know that uh, Mr. James Matthews, four and a half, five, uh, four, five, five four. four and a half band. <laughs> no, you're four, five. Now. No. <laughs> uh, he, his family is the second richest family in town. He is our only promised native um, and is kind of an influential figure in the town. So good job, James. I got some money, you know, <laughs> nothing biggie. How um, <laughs> uh He <laughs> he is a beautiful chocolate man, um, uh, with a baby what face. Flavor? 
Like it's uh, oh gosh, it's like a like a caramel. Like it's got caramel in it. So he's not all chocolate. He's got like because you know like it's this Hispanic in him too. So you got like some of the caramel in there, kind of like you know just whipped in there. <laughs> That milk chocolate with some yeah, just whipped. Just a whipped in there. I really wish that it would be okay for me to just yell really loudly right now. Just actually scream. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, he has brown, almost black eyes. Uh, and he has like short yet like curly hair. But he's got like really thick curls. They're like luscious thick curls. Um, luscious curls. Yeah. He's a lusciously whipped, curly man. Yes. What a beautiful chocolate man. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And, oh, and he also, like, performs. Like, he's an aspiring actor. So he performs for the children. Gotta think about them cheering. Yeah, all the cheering. Uh, but, yeah, that is uh, Mr. Mr. Matthews. Who is five four and a quarter? Five four and a half. Okay, just checking. God damn it! Wait, five six? <laughs> That's that quit. <laughs> you know, uh, for for our many listeners across the pond, what is that in centimeters? Fuck you! That's how much. <laughs> it's like two and a half centimeters to an inch. Oh my gosh. Logan, you're so useful. Thank you. No, I'm pretty sure it's like two and a half centimeters to an inch. So what's what so how many centimeters? You're like you're so you're like what is it? Sixty five inches. Look, have we not have we not proved enough? Hold on, I can pull something up. Have we not proved already? How many times in this podcast do we have to prove that me doing quick math is not good? <laughs> it's a rap song. Look, five plus five is twelve. What? I said, look, five plus five is twelve. All right. <laughs> um, let's move on to Donovan. All right. Speaking of nerds. <laughs> Alright, Donovan, who has no last name, is uh, a short dude. He's got um, really uh, thick brown hair. Uh, He's gotten a haircut recently, so it's a bit shorter than it would normally be. He's got brown eyes. He's... Um, he doesn't particularly care what he's wearing. He's just kind of wearing old clothes. He is an academic in uh, Malifo. What uh, what university or where is he supposed to be at? Uh, he will currently be at just the Guilds University, not the uh, magic uh, school, but uh, he will be learning from the Guild. What's your field of study? Um, I'm studying. Neverborn, I guess. Um, seems kind of interesting. Nice. Um, maybe like s- studying magic, not necessarily to uh, learn to use it, but trying to figure out how it works. Or something to that okay. effect. I dig it. Yeah. Um, he's also um, good at math and engineering. He's good at math. He's good at, he's good at math and engineering. Um, yeah, that's about it. Oh, I get. Oh, because I couldn't have LASIK in in Malifo, or at least I imagine there's no LASIK. He's got glasses too. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? We're gonna give you three sets of those glasses, yes. just in case you happen to uh, lose them along yes. the way. Yes, I feel so powerful. <laughs> I am a benevolent Yay. DM, and I give out glasses for free. Yay. Can I have glasses? Uh, no, darling, but you can oh. tell me about yourself. Oh, okay. So, yes, I will be playing Miss Darling Mystery, a burlesque dancer from New York. She came over to Malifaux hearing about the marvelous Star Theater. It was okay. <laughs> the okay. honeypot was more her <laughs> fucking Rocky Horror right there. What do you think? <laughs> He's okay. <laughs> Darling has since moved on from the Star Theater and now actually works at the Honeypot Casino, working with Thurunder or 
any position really with Jacob Lynch. <laughs> and over. she's flexible. Um, I get it. But do you? It's a sex joke. <laughs> oh, I don't get it then. Wee woo. <laughs> but she, uh, she is one of those people seeking out fame, and she believes Malifaux is the key to that. Um, she is a little taller than most women and she is blonde has the traditional long hair that kind of gets thrown up in that twisty messy bun she wears very fashionable dresses but they're always the same shade of dusky pink and it's really just her color if if you see something pink she probably wants it okay cool so we've met everybody Everybody's mm-hmm. here. I like everybody, um, except for that five four and a quarter dude. He, he oh, oh my god! Uh, okay, so for our lovely captive audience, we are stationed in the town of Promise. This is towards the northern half of Malifaux as a continent. We know Malifaux proper as a city. Um, this town is off of the rail system here in Malifaux. The only real way to get here is through covered wagons, you know, zombie armada, you know, things, perhaps riding on some sort of sand yak, perhaps a worm, perhaps it's the spice. We're not sure. As long as it's not a movie. <laughs> You're... Uh, but this... <laughs> as long as uh, this little town is prosperous in its own right, it is sheltered by the northern peaks of Malifaux, where the cannibalistic cult of December reign, and which also houses the secondary breach that is but a myth to some of the people of Malifaux. Uh, this little town of Promise has, of course, three major buildings, City Hall, the bank at Mr. That Mr. Uh, Band, Mr. James Matthews, band <laughs> works at his father owns and the um gibson manor uh the gibson family is a very wealthy very prominent portion of this town they really kind of set promise on the map um gibson gets a large uh fund stipend if you will to keep the people of promise under control and even though he may not be guild he rules with the same sort of iron fist as they do several people come traveling through promise to either reach the northern mountains they kind of get ransacked by the uh cult a few times a year they're kind of used to it they throw out some of their you know old and they're sick and they're dead and they carry them away and it's fine um so yeah that's promise we're in fall it's a lovely fall it's not you know it's still covered in sand. It gets everywhere. But, you know, we like it. We're going to say uh, it's about high noon. Pew, 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 pew. Hey, Matt Mercer. Um, it's a, hey, Matt Mercer, sponsor us. Love you. <laughs> Love you. Uh, yeah, I thought that he was only, I thought, I thought he only voiced McCree in the um, preview, in the trailer for the game. Don't take this away from us. <laughs> Um, okay, so we start at high noon, in promise, at a very dull bank. Currently, Mr. Five Four and a Half is the only teller on shift, and has been the only teller on shift since the morning. His father and his sister have been preoccupied with other things. He's not exactly sure. He was supposed to be relieved over an hour ago to go perform a, for a second time for the children at the school. Um, this morning, Mr. Matthews performed, did a rousing telling of Beetle the Bard, mm-hmm. and did not receive the sort of praise and adoration that he's used to. The children are more interested in hearing about this circus that is coming into town. Um, the teachers were, you know, mildly, I guess, impressed. They clapped. There was that. They are also abuzz with this carnival, this macabre wonder that will be rolling through the town. Promise doesn't get many of these sort of attractions. They normally stay to Malifaux proper or perhaps innocence. So it's a big deal that they're coming out to Promise. Um, 
Mr. James Matthews, you have been staring at this same woman in Dusty Rose flip through your bank pamphlets over and over and over. There's been one customer. He made a small deposit. She kind of batted her eyes at him. He hurried out the door. Perhaps she is a woman of the night and just doesn't know what time of day it is. But she has not left your bank. Um, darling, you have been sitting at this bank for hours. You have read the back, front, inside, upside, downside of each of these pamphlets, and they are all terribly droll. You uh, tried to use your feminine wiles to seduce a wealthy elderly man of the town, but he was not having any of it. Uh, you'd probably assume you aren't his type. But you have been staring at this lovely whipped chocolate man for <laughs> several hours and realize if he's a bank, you know, teller, his, he does boast the family name of James Matthews on his little placard. And this is the Matthews Trust Bank. He might be a good way for you to get into the carnival. Why do I want into the carnival again? Uh, you want into the carnival to... Fulfill a request of Mr. Lynch. Mr. Lynch wants you to find a performer. His name is Mercury. He, uh, Mr. Lynch has special business with Mercury. Um, there is a, not sure exactly what it is, it's some sort of debt that's owed. Um, Mercury has a little bad habit known as brilliance. And, you know, you're, you're willing to collect for Mr. Lynch. To perhaps collect a little something from him later. Okay. Um, you also have been sent to this town of promise. Your lodging was paid for at the single inn, but you were not given any other money by Mr. Lynch. So you kind of have to find ways into the carnival that, you know, you could steal yourself in, but finding a wealthy beau to sport your ticket is a lot easier. And a lot more fun. And a lot more fun. Okay, uh, well, if the bank's been empty for a while, and I have perused the pamphlets enough to be brain dead, uh, I think I think I'll go ahead and hop up and just directly approach James Matthew by four and a half man. <laughs> it is so boring here. Oh, um, uh, hi. Uh, I mean, are you? Do did you need to make a withdrawal or a deposit? Oh no no I I, I don't live here I, I'm visiting I don't I don't really know this town very well and I suppose it'd be nice to have a tour guide if you don't mind Oh 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 me um I mean well uh, and I guess he'll kind of like scan around and like because no one else has like been in here for a while like it's just kind of been her just sitting there right yeah for the last like i'd say a good two almost three hours it's been one customer and her and she's been sitting in here pretty much since you opened jeez got a life huh kidding (laughs) 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 um so yeah kind of like look around and look at clock would there be a clock on the wall a grandfather clock or something yeah or yes grandfather clock I should say, not a wall clock. It's grandfather in a clock. That's what it is. Oh, cool. (laughs) It's five o'clock. Thanks. (laughs) Hey, it's five o'clock. Please let me out. (laughs) I want to go home. (laughs) I miss grandma. Okay. um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, so that's like scanning and kind of, you know, judging that it's high noon and... It's kind of like, yeah, I definitely should have gotten off by now. Um, kind of like, well, uh, I mean, I can, I, I can close up and uh, accompany you. I guess. Uh, are you sure there isn't like someone else you'd want to go with? I mean, I suppose I could find someone else, but wouldn't it be more fun just to cut out of here a little early? Uh, and she'll reach across and boop his nose. Uh, yeah, no, he would just, just completely just flush. And he's like, uh, yeah, um, okay. I just, I have to, um, just lock up, like, really quick, though. But, um, could, if you could just, 
I can't have you like in here because, uh, you know, money and stuff. Ah, uh, fine. I thought you were going to be a lot more fun, but I suppose I can wait outside. I- I'll-, I'll be quick. I promise. Don't keep me waiting. Uh, so he'll kind of like, he'll like wait till like she's kind of like leaves to look like, you know, he's keeping it cool. And he's like, yep, he's going to lock it up. Uh, and then like, <laughs> and she does like a little finger wave to you and is all smiley and giggly as she walks out. Yeah, but as soon as like the door kind of like closes, does the like frantic, like, okay, let me just shut all this shit and get the fuck out of here. Um, this, this doesn't seem like a typical situation for James Matthews. There is a pretty woman who just booped him on the nose and specifically asked for him to show it her around town yeah and then you James her does. to wait for you out there on that gray street well she can't wait inside <laughs> i have like i'm gonna be i gotta put all the money in like the the safe she can't yep. sit inside what if i when i turn around she goes to knock me out sounds like when it comes to talking <laughs> to women james matthew's grace is gone Look, this is James Matthews, not Albert Long. (laughs) I don't have another one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, so, Mr. Five, Four and a Half Matthews, you are so flustered by this pretty girl. Did you really lock up the drawers? Did you perhaps take a little bit of extra spending money? Your dad's never going to know. Perhaps it's five script. You can add that to your character sheet. Perhaps, you know, the safe wasn't locked, was it? We don't know. We don't care. Pretty girl, bank done. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Now out on the street, you got a pretty girl. You're going to show her around town. Cut to Mr. Stuart. I almost said Stuart Long. You are not Stuart Mr. Long. Stuart Long. Maybe one day. <laughs> Maybe when he's ready to settle down. <laughs> okay, that's that's fair. I, I'll allow that. Oh, this has shit. to happen now. This Cannon. has to become canon. <laughs> uh, start with Darling, end with Stuart. Love it. Um, the whole gamut. So, Stuart, you have been served a rousing, hearty bowl of eggs. Oh and hell yeah! You weren't, you were not sure if there was cheese in there. There might have been. Mm. You enjoyed it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so breakfast was free today for everyone coming, you know, into town for the carnival. You were sent here by Nelly, who you work for. You work for the Guild Tribune in Malifaux proper. The Guild is very interested in the happenings of this dark carnival. Every time it shows up somewhere. Things happen. Not always the same. Generally, people go missing. Sometimes people are found dead. Sometimes people are just found in strange, macabre scenarios. So you have been tasked to collect some information, infiltrate the carnival, and report back to the Tribune. This is kind of your big break. You are looking forward to get this, you know, creepy story scoop. You've always, you know, enjoyed getting these kind of cold case files if you would to report on um you know that nelly will be joining you at some point to help get the scoop because you know she always gets the best stories so she's not going to let you get all the juicy details uh so yeah you've been served a rousing breakfast people have not paid you much mind even though you are clearly well-dressed well-groomed um comparatively to some of the townsfolk there but there's a, a talk amongst them about this carnival coming to town and how important it is for promise. Okay. <clears throat> well, uh, let me start this off by saying Stuart is a man who really, really appreciates cheese and his eggs. So he's his day <laughs> started off right. I don't know if any of you have ever tried that or I don't know. It's uh I was I was awoken to that reality a couple of years ago. Never went back. Okay, so with uh, cheesy eggs fucking digesting in his in his fucking belly, I think Stuart 
kind of appreciates that nobody's paying him any mind. I think Stuart is used to being kind of discreet. As soon as he finishes breakfast, which I imagine he got a bit of a late start to the day, um, I think he's going to turn in his dishes wherever he can because uh, he's not going to let someone bust his table for him. Um, and then I think he's going to set out onto the street to wander because I feel like he wants to get a feel for the town of promise um, before the carnival shows up. Um, Cause it could be that this town is macabre and crazy and sinister already. And the carnival could show up and you know, there needs to be a control. So uh, yeah, I think as soon as he gets his dishes away, he's going to head to the door. Um, I think he's going to bring his uh, journal and uh, writing utensils with him, but I think he's going to leave his, uh, I think he's going to leave his firearm in his bedroom. You know, he's okay. just walking around town. It's safe. I mean, what could go wrong? It's just a little podunk town. Yeah, absolutely. This campaign, nothing's going to happen. They're going to go to the nope. carnival and eat cotton candy and it's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be great. Uh, cool. So, you are going to head up to the residential district of Promise, which is at the northern end of town. It's kind of the uh, barricade to the Gibson Manor, which you pass on your way over. It's just this huge monolithic castle-esque structure. Um, they mm -hmm. built it in a place where they could not be assaulted from the north. The south is but nothing but barrens. Uh, the east and the west are protected by various things. So, yeah. Um, you are headed north into the residential area. You see a couple of people pass you. Um, some greet you with a friendly, you know, head nod or, or good day type thing. Um, but remotely, the, most people are just going to town. They're kind of hanging out at City Hall. They're hanging out just kind of on the street, like waiting for the excitement to happen. Hmm. So you're kind of left to your own devices exploring this, you know, northern area. Um, yeah. I imagine... When he came into town, it was pretty hard to miss the Gibson Manor. Um, I feel like he's already checked it out well enough, made his own mental notes about it. I think Stuart is unused to small towns like this, especially. Um, so, you know, anything he can learn, you know, he's going to try. Um, I think he's going to keep heading north towards the residential area. Um, any pleasantries he receives from passers-by, he'll quietly return them. But I think uh, for right now, I think maybe he's not looking for uh, people's personal input. I think uh, just from being at the tavern, he knows that everyone's excited. He's not going to get anything interesting questioning folk. Um, so I think he's going to just make his way around if he doesn't see anything interesting. At the very least, you know, it's a good morning walk or at this point, afternoon walk, but he can't really tell the difference. Okay. Well, uh, this afternoon walk is, is not really eventful, but it's pleasant. The farther north you go, the less people you run into. But you do see something very odd. On top of one of the rooftops, there seems to be an albino chimpanzee. You look at it, study it for a hot second, and then something glints into your eye with the, the sun. Um, it seems to have welded, perhaps stitched, perhaps it was born with them, metal clockwork wings that seem to flap and animate like any normal bird. It seems to just be sitting there, kind of picking its toes, doing its monkey business. It's wearing a fez and some little fancy shorts. And then it notices you as well. It tips its head, gives you a beautiful, large, toothy smile, stands up on its hind legs, and gives you a wave. Mm-hmm. So, 
having reported on cold cases in the city, and of course, having been from the city of Malifaux, where, you know, anything is possible and everything's fucking bizarre and creepy, um, I think he's used to the strange, but I think this thing in particular strikes him. I think as it, you know, kind of animates in his direction, I think Stuart is going to lock up a bit. Um, I think he's going to look around to see if anyone is seeing what he's seeing, but as you mentioned, I imagine there's nobody around. Um, so I think for the moment he just stares at the thing I think he's going to start moving along his own way but he's going to keep his eyes like locked to the creature okay well it kind of mirrors your sort of physicality and it never loses your eye like eye contact with you but suddenly it picks its little legs up and starts flying with its mechanical wings which gives this strange not necessarily grinding of gears, but it's definitely metal on metal. It's a very mechanical, very off-putting sound. It really breaks the silence of this residential district. And he flies over to a house um, along your path uh, to the left of you, and you're probably the next house you're going to match on your left. It kind of lands, does a strange little monkey dance, and it walks over to the side of the, the, the roof and gives you a slight bow, pulls off its fez, and kind of shakes it, where a few small pieces of purple paper drift down towards the lawn. Puts its hat back on, lounges a bit on the roof, and just kind of, with what you what seems to be an elongated monkey finger, like points down at the paper, and just kind of basks in the sun for a moment, like not really paying you much mind anymore. And if, uh, if James Matthews was there, he'd say that was the proudest monkey. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I'm done. I... Uh... Hey, everybody! Alex here. Excited to give you some nightmares. Welcome to our very first Halloween special. Growing up, I consumed a bit too much TV than I should have. Some of the best episodes in the series are holiday-focused. Fall is chock-full of holidays, but considering our creepy world, I found it only fitting to start a Halloween special for Soul Story. Over the next coming month, you can expect seven episodes as Moose guides us through the Dark Carnival. At the end, we will have a Q&A so we can tell you about how wigged out we were by... Well... You'll see. You may have noticed that Moose sounds, well, a little different. Before my move, we used to share our mic, and now he's all on his own. This won't be noticeable in the main campaign for a while, but know that we know. If you like our show, please take a moment to show us to your favorite Boyle or Ghoul, or go leave us a review on iTunes or Facebook, whichever's easiest for you. As an extra holiday special bonus, I won't be interrupting these episodes with further mid-rolls. With that out of the way, let's get back to the show. Okay. Okay. So I think on any normal day, uh, Stuart would not accept strange offerings from mechanical apes. But today is a special day. He's on the case. I think he is incredibly wary of this thing, especially, like, approaching beneath it. But I think after, like, a hesitant moment, he's going to inch onto the lawn. I think he's going to bend down, keeping his eyes up towards the monkey, and, like, his hand kind of, like, reaches down and pats around for the paper. Like, I imagine he, like, glances down a bit, but he does not want to lose track of this actual monstrosity um so yeah i think he reaches down collects them and i think he backs 
like all the way back off the lawn onto the street before he looks down to see what he just picked up. Um, as soon as you bend down to pick them up, you hear, you hear that familiar sound of the wings moving, and this monkey heads back towards kind of Main Street. And as it flies, um, it flies backwards, smiling at you and blows you this mock kiss, like touching its teeth and just giving you this monkey grin as it flies away. Ooh. Ooh. So startled again, uh, Stuart is going to watch this thing until it escapes from his view. Um, and uh, I think he's going to linger for a moment before looking back down. Um, and uh, this time, a bit more confidently giving the two pieces of paper a read. Okay. The two pieces of paper. Uh, on the front half of the, t- of the, the paper in bold um, black ink, is printed uh, Mr. Cooper's Marvelous Macabre Dark Carnival, uh, a series of delights and devastating scares. Turning it around, you see nothing else but sunset printed on the back of it. Hmm. So, oh yeah? Oh, no, you can continue. No worries. Oh, okay. Um, So I imagine he reads them over a couple times. It's not that, you know, he's illiterate or he feels like he didn't grasp what was there. Um, I think he's almost expecting some sort of trick. Um, But when none comes, I think um, he's going to reach for the small journal he keeps in his uh, in his uh, vest there. Um, and I think he's going to take one of the tickets and slide it between the pages before putting the journal away. And then I think he's going to keep one jur- uh, one of the tickets in his uh, in his front pocket um, as I don't believe he had any way into the carnival, and I think as he doesn't know much about it, he's going to hold on to this, you know, in case it's special. Okay. After, you know, taking the time to look over these tickets to put them where you will, uh, the light, you're not sure if it's glinting off the last, you know, vestiges of those metal wings, or perhaps the sun is trying to destroy your retinas by reflecting its evil, hideous rays across the windows of the world, mm-hmm. um, your eyes turn to the house that you are standing by. A window is directly to your right. Um, it would be where the wall you're standing. Inside is a very well-kept home. You are almost taken aback by seeing a shoulder of a human, like just of a man sitting there at a table, you allow your eyes to drift into the scene and it is not just a man, but there is a man and a woman and what appears to be an elder daughter all sitting at this table covered in just a mess of food. It looks like someone has pulverized an orange. The bread has been torn into just crumbs. There is bananas and possibly an apple. Maybe you're not sure just destroyed on the tabletop after leaving the carnage of the food massacre your eyes rest on the man's neck it has been strangled and the bruising has began to show and the bruising is of two small monkey shaped and sized hands along his face it has been slit And the cheeks, the skin itself, has been brought back into a smile almost all the way to his eyes. Mm. So. Ooh. Okay. It's fucking terrifying. So. Yeah. So. I imagine upon realizing what he's looking at, Stuart is going to like shoot a gaze back up towards the sky um 
more wary of the monkey now than when it was here dropping presents on the lawn. Um, I think he's going to hurry closer to the window and uh, I think despite what is most certainly a murder, like instinctively he's still going to pound his hand against the glass um, to try and rouse something's attention. Not really sure, you know, what he's doing, just kind of acting on instinct. Okay. There is definitely no response. Mm-hmm. And it is very clear that every member of the house is dead. What would be the mother is headless. Ugh. You do not see the, you do not see the head. Um, but you do see along the walls and on some of the furniture now that you're getting a full glimpse, there are little bloody monkey paws everywhere. Like just steps everywhere. And the room seems to be full on the, the floor seems to be full of those strange purple pieces of paper, the tickets, if you will, that were dropped. Okay. I imagine Stuart has seen his share of the grotesque and the brutal, but I imagine this in particular, the food, the decapitation, the the bloody paws, and just the general aura around the scene kind of gets to him. He gags a bit, but um, ends up just turning away from the window. The temptation is there to reach for his journal and start recording. But I think more present than that is the sense of self-preservation. I think he is now acutely aware that there is a murderous mechanical monkey flying about the town where he can't see. Um, (laughs) I think he is going to in a hurried pace, almost a jog, get away from the house without knowing where to find the town law enforcement, if there is any. I think he's going to start hurrying back towards the inn because, God damn it, he needs his gun. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we'll be heading hurriedly to the main street where, uh, we know there will be people because we watched people go that way. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's where Stuart's going. Let's take a quick cut to our wonderfully sleeping, educated academic, Mr. Donovan. That's me. Yeah, it's, that's you. Um, you're enjoying a lovely morning where you're sleeping in. You're dreaming. You think you're dreaming, at least. It's the best kind of morning. You hope you're... Yeah, you hope you're dreaming. You're walking through a field. This field is kind of nondescript, but uh, it begins to kind of blow. It's a little darker on the horizon, and you're walking through this rather tall field of grass, and six wooden, human-sized dolls mannequins, if you will, stand in front of you. They wear various masks, faces of the theater, uh, comedy, drama, sorrow. That's weird. Uh, I guess I'll, uh, I'll go and investigate them. Go over, you touch them, you smell them, you lick them. They are very much tangible. They are very much wood, cedar, if you're concerned. Okay. Um, none of them move. They all sport sharp, elongated hands. Could possibly, they are metal in make. They could be used as perhaps skewers, not necessarily knives, but they do look dangerous. Suddenly, from behind you, there is a rustling and a. <laughs> rustle, 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 rustle. <laughs> rustle, 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 rustle. All right. Well, I'll wisely turn my back to these uh, mannequins and uh, peer into the brush, try to get a good look at what's going on. 
nothing ever bad happens when you turn your back on an animal yeah. object. <laughs> it's going to be fine. Um, <laughs> what you see in the brush is a very large, buoyant tulle skirt. Tool. Not taffeta. Oh, but yeah, okay. <laughs> I remember this one. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, just bobbing along the tall grass. You also see what appears to be a very pale buttocks and a little tiny fez. It's like someone has bent over and is crawling through these weeds or this grass, if you will, and trying to hide themselves, but not really doing a great job. You're not sure if they care, but it's a strange, terrible game of hide and seek. And this incessant just <laughs> continues as it, it rustles, then it'll stop as soon as you it, it realizes you've turned around. And it tries to slink down into the grass, not realizing that its skirt is so large that you'll never be able to fully hide it. Um, well, with a face of great disgust uh, at uh, what you said was a pale butt. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Covered in a, a fishnet yeah, leggings. Thanks. You realize they are fishnet. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. It's hairy yeah, too. Thanks. <laughs> uh, yep. Donovan's going to um, probably feel a little embarrassed that he's dreaming something like this, um, and uh, say, "Who's there? Hello? Oh, hello?" As this thing rises from the grass and it is a very portly man who bears a tattoo of a heart that scrawled across it says mom he has the face of a clown painted on there uh, on his face uh, it's a very happy clown full of color he wears a bright red fez uh atopping his cotton candy blue hair he is very he has the build of a of a portly sailor his arms are covered in hair he seems to have shaved his torso in order to possibly look more feminine as you look down towards the giant tulle skirt and the fishnet leggings, his leg hair poking through. He is wearing bright red stilettos. Um, it's quite the debacle. Your brain is clearly trying to send you a message in this dream. You're not sure what the <laughs> message is, but it is not received. Like, 0% <laughs> received. This man just like slithers upwards into a standing position gives you a deep curtsy smiles well my name is baritone lola what's yours um i'm donovan uh okay yeah i'm uh yeah that's me why is that exciting just Donovan? Not Donovan Samuel or Donovan the Great. Just Donovan? Oh, so interesting. So much mystery. Lola likes you. Well, there's a lot to like about me, I suppose. That's true. Lola likes you so much. Lola wants to play a game with you. <laughs> um, Donovan, having not recognized that this might be a terrible idea... Um, it's just gonna go with it. It's like I'm having a nice dream or a dream. <laughs> <laughs> a nice dream. Let's just let's see what happens. Clown sexual. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Well, so he's like, all right, uh, all right, all right. Um, yeah. What kind of game? What what kind? <gasps> oh, it's an easy game. Don't you worry. And he goes to boop your nose. Uh, um. At this, you realize, you hear that, you feel this kind of like, like this intake of air as the six mannequins now create an arc behind you and to your side. So you have nowhere to run as this very plump man in a skirt is in front of you, booping your nose. The game is simple. You only need to call out, Bellatone Lola! And when you get close to me, I shall spring up and say, Here I am! And that's the game. It's a pretty easy game of hide and seek. But you have to find me before midnight. And there's a catch. If you don't find me, I get to come find you. Uh, Is this acceptable? Um, 
so wait. What happens if I win then? It doesn't sound like anything happens if I win. No, there's a great prize for you if you win. But it must be kept secret. You see, and he starts like trying to push down the tool skirt. Lola has many gifts and many techniques and abilities that can woo and dazzle the audience. But Lola doesn't give away secrets. Um. Yeah, the disgust on uh, Donovan's face amplifies. Is <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> he's uh he's like. He's, he doesn't look too excited about this. Um, so he's like, I I don't know. This doesn't sound like a this doesn't sound like I'm gonna get anything out of this. This doesn't sound like a good game at all. Well, how about something for free then? A little introductory surprise. And between the folds of Tool, Lola produces. Uh, two pieces of purple paper and a we'll say a small sucker the sucker is bright neon blue much the color of Lola's hair Donovan will take the two pieces of paper but is hesitant to take the lollipop coming from the clown's skirt <laughs> I don't know about Lola that one Lola doesn't really react um, as you don't take the sucker he will put it like uh, take off the the paper wrapper and shove it in his mouth. There you go. Lola has given you a quick little sweetie. Now all you have to do is find me. Have fun. At this, you wake up, sitting in the same field you were just dreaming about. It is clearly outside the town of Promise, not too far, but you are definitely not in the inn where you fell asleep last night. Well. Donovan will realize that he's probably in a lot of trouble now. And I guess he'll uh, he'll look around to see what's going on around him. If, if anything came with him. If he has anything in his hands. Like two pieces of paper. <laughs> yeah, you do have the two pieces of purple paper. <laughs> Alright. God damn it. This sucks. Donovan's going to uh, turn around and go straight back into town. Not very... Not very happy, and uh, he's just gonna start yelling, uh, Baritone Lola, as loudly as he can. <laughs> he's 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 gonna he's gonna try to win this game. Hey everyone, it's Alex. One more time. If you liked this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review us. Do you want to stay in touch? We'd love to hear from you. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at SoulStoryPod. The cast is on Twitter as well. You can find Moose at Moosifo, Spencer at SpareBearTheMeek, BamBam at HotBam with three M's, Logan at KOTL of the Light, and you can find me, your Fate Master, at RollForAlex.